Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Pulp Hockey Podcast with the great Ray Ferraro. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. The Stanley Cup final. Done. Penguins again. Second year in a row. And congrats to them and everything else. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Uh, it's been going well for us. We're going to keep these up through the July 1 uh, free agent season, and then uh, we will uh, take a break and, uh, and, and maybe have an odd show here and there but please uh, download it on stitcher get it on itunes any kind of podcatcher uh system anything else like that uh, we really appreciate it i'm steve mathis with me on the line of course former hartford whaler new york islander new york ranger la king st louis blue atlanta thrasher the great ray ferrara what's up ray how are you i'm good because i'm at home <laughs> I am, uh, the uh you and i talked about this and I don't think people quite realize how the media watch a season or a series or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And because somewhere along the line, it only becomes about you. <laughs> the, the players yes. Are, yes, or agree. the riders in your, in your moto side, they're, they're irrelevant. It's like, right. how can I get home? I've been on the road forever. <laughs> I'm tired of looking at these clothes. I'm tired of eating dinner with the same five guys all the time. Yeah. It's it's really a weird thing because it's a it's a great gig. Love what, what I do, but man, I've been on the road since September the twentieth, I think I started, and it's time to come home. So we were I mean today we're taping this. This is uh today's Wednesday, right? Yes, today's Wednesday. Yeah yeah, so this would be game seven. Like I wouldn't even be home yet. Yeah. And so you know, as crappy as the way the game turned out in, in Nashville, and, you know, we'll get to that in a mm-hmm. sec, but, man, it was time to come home, so I'm good. Well, people forget, too, you were in Germany and France for the World Hockey uh, Championships, so basically, did you tell me you'd been home eight days since? Eight days since uh, April the 10th. Yeah, that's nuts. So I think I come home and just screw up the <laughs> the deal here. I don't even think I'm, when I was home, I don't know that Cammy was, appreciative of my efforts, which basically just screwed up the wheel that was turning probably pretty smoothly before right. I got here. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. We were texting a little bit about when we were going to do the next show and everything else, and, and you said it was 3-2 Penguins in the series, and I said, no, nah, it's going 7. And then we made we were joking about like how you want to get home and, and this and that, but you, you really did think that the Preds were a little bit demoralized. And, I mean, they didn't score a goal the last two games. Um, so as usual, I they were you know. demoralized in Game Five, Steve. I was, I thought they were going to get, I thought they would have a real problem in Game Six, mm-hmm. and I thought they played really well. In, in my opinion, it was the best game of the series for both teams at yes. the same time. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 there was a sense for me in in Game Five in Pittsburgh, and again, we talked about it. But I, I said on the air as well that. You know, maybe it's it struck midnight for a lot of their forwards, mm-hmm. where the good fortune and the guys punching above their weight. Maybe that was that was as far as it was going to go. And so now you got, you know, you don't have Ryan Johansson, you don't have Kevin Fiala. I don't know if people noticed when James Neal was shaking hands um, in the lineup, he was shaking left-handed. Mm-hmm. So he's got some kind of either a broken hand or a fractured bone in there somewhere that he couldn't even shake hands with the Penguins going through. He was giving them the left-hand right. kind of cross-handed shake. Yep. Um, Colton Sisson had a missed breakaway, a goal post, and the disallowed goal. Like, maybe it just all came to an end. Mm-hmm. That's what my sense was. And um, The worst part is, you know, they should be really proud of the year, but it must feel like they got nothing for all this work. Well, yeah, I was going to touch on that. And before we talk, okay, so let's go there instead of the Penguins. Whether it's San Jose last year, the Rangers, the Devils, whoever these teams are that lose the Cup. And, Ray, you you never got to a final, but you lost in the conference final. 
it, 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 it's ex- like there's no you're like, yeah, the Preds are good. Their D is good, and, and Johansson will be back, and, 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 and you know, Pecorene is a world-class goalie, and, and so on and so forth. But, man, there is just no guarantee that you'll be anywhere close next year. So you, all of this work, all of this effort, and, you know, it's just for nothing, like you said. They can, I mean, they can be encouraged that they're going to keep that top four D. You know, I mean, they won't lose them in the expansion draft. But they might lose Callie Yarncroke, or they might move James Neal to help with a protected, a protected problem, mm-hmm. or you know they're they're going to lose they're going to lose somebody of some significance up front. Yep. And then there's no, you know, I mean, there's no roadmap that says you get to go back. <laughs> oh. Gee, you've got a good team, you get to go back. I mean, they were they were the last team in the playoffs this year. Um, their their division is really difficult. Although I can see Chicago backstepping here, and and maybe the Preds are one of those teams that can pick up a few points that the Blackhawks won't get, but I I just I'm so amazed that Pittsburgh was even able to get back to the final, let alone win it. So I look at these teams that are, you know, in the past when you went year to year and you'd go, well, 16 teams made it this year, and. I only see two or three that are going to have trouble next year mm-hmm. making it. I can't say that anymore. But now you could you could easily see a five to seventeen turnover yeah. year over year, given the way the salary cap is is compacted to teams. And Nashville they could get to the finals next year, but they could miss the playoffs too. Yeah, absolutely. Look at Tampa Bay, you know, or any of these. Like it's just a couple of key injuries. Yep. A bad month, and pretty soon you can't catch up. No. Um, do you remember thinking, like, okay, so on that Island team that went to the uh, conference final against the Habs, you guys upset, you know, a, a massively stacked Penguins team. But that aside, do you remember thinking, like, oh, we're, the future's bright? Like, I, I, I didn't look up to see how you guys did that next year, but uh, Jeff O'Neill we talked play- about We made the playoffs yep. the next year in 93 um, 94 and lost in four games to the Rangers, like we weren't even in the series. Sure, there you go, right. And, and so, <laughs> and then, then there was the lockout. That's how fast it goes. We were in the semifinals in 93. We barely made the playoffs in, in 95. So, mm-hmm. because it went 93, 90, or, so we made the, sorry, made the semifinals in 93. Yep. Next year, barely made the playoffs, lost in four games. Dummied by the and Rangers. And there was a lockout. <laughs> right. The next year was the half year. And our team made a trade of um, uh, Vladimir Malikov and Pierre Turgeon went to Montreal for Matthew Schneider and um, Muller? Kirk Muller. Muller yeah. And that was the end of us. Yep. Like in in that short span. Yep. And that was really that was before the salary cap. Not that our team had a lot of money to spend, but yeah. Yeah. you know, like it can go south in a real hurry. Yeah, as absolutely, and it's just it, oh god to be a Nashville player. You're just like all that blood and guts, all that work, and we're just an afterthought, a la San Jose Rangers or Jersey or any of these dudes that make it. You know, um, yeah, it's a tough deal. Um, but in the end, um, Penguins won, and they they deserved it. You know, I think they were the better team f- the, near the end of the series. Like we talked about, how Preds didn't score. What did you th- now looking back on it, thinking about it, like what? What turned the tide? Was it the blowout? What like we we saw two wins in Pittsburgh, two wins in Nashville, and we did this pod last week. We talked about how Nashville's been the better team for three and a half games of the four. And was it just like you said, the blowout is what did it, and and other guys are like, oh, we're not better than the Penguins, and the Penguins got that confidence. Well, yeah, I mean, some of it I think is as I said earlier, I thought the. You know the clock struck midnight a little bit on yep. on Nashville. Number two is the the best player in the world played an incredible game in Game Five. Yep, like it was. Yeah, it was a a dramatic start to the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, ten and, seconds and like in, he, right? Yeah, exactly. It was. Great. Oh yeah, he just controlled the whole game. It was so. How do you stop that? If he has one of those nights, mm-hmm. how do you stop that? And then they get, you know, and, and then I think their experience took over a little bit. Um, you know, they've, they've been down down the road of clinching a cup before, 
Um, they'd also been down the road in the in this playoffs of playing, you know, playing a thousand close games. I mean, they they did not have an easy ride here. Last year they were clearly the best team. Yep. This year I don't know even that they were, but they were they they were the most resilient team. They found, you know, they were they were dead in the water against Washington, and then all of a sudden yep. they throw together two gems and win Game Seven in Wash. Mm-hmm. And then they move on. You know, like it, it was really um, a pretty impressive performance. So I, I think it was having the better top-end players, which, of course, are Crosby and Malkin, yep. and then, um, you know, and then their experience uh, helped them deal with a, a pretty pesky team. Like yep. the Predators didn't fold over. They didn't, they didn't fade away or wilt. They just they couldn't find a way to score. And, well, you know, I mean, that, that Penguin defense, we talked a whole bunch about it. And, you know, I'm reading these articles, and sometimes I wonder if, like, do people understand what they write? <laughs> and they're, they're like, okay, so could this be the new model, you know, that you don't need a high-priced defenseman, that you can have oh, six guys like the yeah. Penguins had? I've read multiple articles like this. And I, as I'm reading them, I'm like, yeah, sure, that's a model you can get as long as you have Crosby and Malkin up front. Right. Right. And if you don't, then it's a really shitty model. <laughs> like, like seriously, like what? What do people not understand? That that offense is pedestrian at best. They all kind of fill in. However, they do. They did. I thought they did an amazing job. But you, you tell me, is one of those defensemen in the top sixty in the NHL? And the reason uh, I pick sixty, yeah. Are they a number one or two on any other team? No, I mean Schultz. No, Schultz. No, I don't. No, no, no. It's no. not. The answer is no. <laughs> right. And yet they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So they had two great goaltending performances from Flurry and Murray, mm-hmm. and then you know they've got these guys up front. But who who can combat that? Like you know who can match them yep. nose to nose? The answer is nobody else in the league. I was thinking. Maybe Jacques Martin gets a lot of credit for that, huh? Are people talking about that? Are people saying like... They are, and okay. he should get it. Because, you know, yeah. Like, I think that staff must have done a really, really good job. Talk, Rick Tockett looks around at the forwards. That's kind of his ball of wax uh-huh. and the power play. Um, Sullivan has a really direct way of playing with or dealing with the players, but he's also learned, you know, a little bit of to back off and let the guys kind of steer the ship at times. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the, the veteran Martin who has, you know, been around the NHL for 30 years. Yeah. He's, he's been, always been thought of as an extremely good defensive coach. Yeah. He, he was a little so bit like, he a, a little bit like Guy Boucher yeah. light, like back in the day, like St. Louis, whether he was in St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah. Well, I mean, his teams were, the, they just checked and right. there was no room and, you know, they, they wrote a good goalie, but their defense didn't give up a whole bunch of shots. And, mm-hmm. So somehow they worked this defense. Nobody played under 18 minutes. Nobody played over 22 minutes. It was almost like they had a a light on their helmet when they got into the 16-minute range, and they were like, okay, now we've got to ease them back. You know, they didn't ask anybody to do too much. And it really, for them, was the only formula that they had a chance with, and they, they executed it as it turned out, just about perfectly. Does a guy like Jacques Martin, maybe this is a dumb question, so you, please tell me if it is. Does a guy like Jacques Martin, former NHL coach, you know, a lot of success in the league, and, and, and he's, work, he's done wonders with this defense, does he control the shifts of the D guys? Would He, he rolls them out, yep. Okay. He's, he's in charge. You know, I mean, they have, uh, in their meetings beforehand, yeah. they, they discuss, okay, we don't want this defense pair against those guys. Mm-hmm. And so as he's working the D, he'll, he'll, he'll make manipulate sure, yeah. them so yeah. they don't have certain right. matchups that are disadvantage or dis, they're a disadvantage to, to that defense pair. But the flip side because is... Because the okay. head coach is kind of managing all of it. Yep. But the, the D coach is, he's the guy responsible for putting the pairs out. And the head coach might lean down and go, I want those two guys against so-and-so yeah, anymore. Yeah. Right. And the flip side is that if Jacques sees a guy's on it or having a good night or they lose somebody to injury, that's maybe his call a little bit. Hey, this guy's having a good game. I can put him on. Because the... he's watching. Right. He's almost watching the D. Only. 
I, you know, it, it's not, I mean, I'm going to make up a percentage. Yeah. But he's probably watching the D and how they play and how they react to things 70% mm-hmm. and watching the rest of the game 30%. Whereas talking right. at the other end of the bench would probably be watching things the other way. Sure. Um, yeah, I was uh, like, I, I went back and listened a little bit to some of our shows, right? So you were, you picked the Blue Jackets to beat the Penguins. But yeah, then you bad, picked bad call. Then you picked the Penguins to beat the Caps. But then you picked the Good Caps. Call. Then you picked the Caps to win Game Seven. And yeah, bad and, call. And then you picked the Pens to win all the way after that. Once they got through, through Game Seven, you said, "Yeah, Penguins are going to get it against Anaheim." See, see how firm I was in my belief <laughs> of the Penguins. Well, exactly. Things change. I don't bring this up to like. I'm not bringing this up to like in your face. No, not at all. No, no, no. Yeah, but yeah. The, here's so they lose Latang. I'm like, there's no way that D can stand up. Yep. And I just felt like, even though they had played poorly, I felt like Columbus was going to be able to drag the series into a little bit of a wilder series. Yeah. A little bit more unpredictable. And I thought, you know, Bobrovsky is, in my mind, is going to win the Vezina. Yep. I didn't realize he was going to not stop the puck in the, in the series. <laughs> that, became, that became a big issue. Right. So out they go. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I did Game 7 of Washington-Toronto, and I was like, I, I don't think Washington can win. Yeah. Like, that was my takeaway from that series. And then, you know, they got to Ottawa, and I'm like, man, Ottawa's got to fall apart eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, they never did fall apart, but, you know, at the start of the series, they picked the pens, and I'm like, they're going to they're gonna win now. So it was... Uh, it was not like the year before. I just you couldn't pick against Pittsburgh. You're yeah. like, wow, they're the best yeah. team. Oh, they're the best team again. They're the best team in the third round. Not this year. Um, hey, Con Smythe voting. I don't have a an issue with with Sidney Crosby winning it. Obviously, I was surprised, Ray, uh, because I, and this might be a recency bias for the voter. Were you a voter? No. Okay. Um, no. Might be a recency bias, but. I was surprised at the voting results. Crosby, 11 first place votes, Malkin, three. Uh, I would have split, I would have thought it would have been a bit more even than that. What would you think? Um, the reason, it, in my mind, that it wasn't, you're right, there is a recency bias because I think the voters, in a lot of cases, place more or a higher mm-hmm. weight to the finals. That you can have three great rounds, and then if you have a so so final, that's going to that's going to weigh on the on the voters for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, no matter what the numbers told us, even though Crosby was the the highest scorer in the finals, he was he was certainly more effective in more games than Malkin was. Uh, in my, in yeah. my eyes, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, maybe I mean, had it been you know instead of eleven three, had it been. You know, nine five. That might have been a little closer. Mm-hmm. You know, to maybe the way I would have handicapped it. Sure. But those two were the runaway guys for sure. I was going to say, if you had a vote, you're the guy who put Carlson third, Eric Carlson. No, I know who voted for him. Oh, you do? Oh. Do you want to? Um, do you want to out him? I, I don't really have a problem because when you get past Crosby and Malkin, who was more valuable to their team? Yeah. No. No. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's what the Conn Smythe is. And, I mean, is, is it, they get into the seventh game of the third round, right? Yeah. And you think they're there without Carlson? Not a chance. Oh, hell no. Right. I'm going to just watch Carlson's lob pass all summer long, waiting for the games to come back. Um. Yeah, he is, uh, <laughs> he is something else, that's for sure. Hey, so we have to talk about this because everyone else in the media, it seems like, the Mario Lemieux versus Sidney Crosby debate. Uh, it makes for good um, uh, podcasting and radio hits and, I guess, things like that. Um, Crosby's got one more cup, um, but I, I don't want to hear it. Different eras, I know. Different deals, I know. Crosby's amazing. I don't want to hear it, Ray. Mario was phenomenal. Uh, best player I ever played against. For sure, and you played a lot okay. against ninety nine. Yeah, but I put, and I played more against Mario. Right, and there was nothing he couldn't do. Right, had Mario found the commitment to the game that Wayne had, had he found that earlier, mm-hmm. maybe the maybe the story would have been a little different. 
but he didn't. I think part of the thing was like, I can't imagine the game was ever hard for Mario. <laughs> right. Like, we right. watch him, we're like, well, what the hell? Nobody else can do that. No. He's so big and so skilled. And he, like, I have this image of him going in, like, on a two on one, not skating anymore because he's in, you know, he's just kind of gliding. Right. But having a sense of how much time he has. And then with one little flick of the wrist, it was right in off the bar. And you're like, who does that? Like, it looks so easy for him. Um, so for me, you know, I have Gretzky and Lemieux and Orr and Howe as my top four players. Mm-hmm. And then you get into this clump of guys, Rocket Richard and Crosby, um, maybe Nick Lidstrom, Maybe Dominic Hasek. Right. Maybe Mark Messier. But to me, those those first four are almost untouchable. Yeah. But I, 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 have, I would say right now, maybe this is recency bias because I never watched the Rocket play, but I would have Crosby five and Richard six. Sure. Yeah, however you want to put it, I'm fine. I just... I mean, yeah, uh, Sydney plays both ends better than Mario did, probably. There's plenty of videos of Mario out there sort of circling around the, the blue line. Um, but I just, if he wanted to go back there and play defense, like I, I've watched the 87 Canada Cup a few times. He's in there. He's like, oh, I guess I got to go back there a little bit, you know? I don't know. Um, so Sydney's great. I, I mean, it's Sydney's a fun great. argument, yeah, but it is. really, yeah. right. you can't, like a lot of these arguments that span, uh, the, you know, the decades, it's impossible to really get a definitive answer because mm-hmm. it, it, it's all different. I mean, they're, they're, and especially when you ask fans, you've got to have this debate, you have to have almost people that don't really care. <laughs> you can't ask fans because right. they're emotionally invested in it. Right. And so the player, the player they're most closely connected to will always get their vote. Yeah, in thinking about it, I try not to be the old guy that walked uphill to school both ways. Do you know what I mean? I do try not to be that guy. I sometimes, you know, I'm 42 years old. Sometimes I can get like that. But um, I just, I, I, when you look at Mary, I don't know. But Sydney's points per game is pretty strong. His career average points per game is right up there. And he's got one more cup. But, you know, you win cups with teams. You know, you don't, an individual guy doesn't win. And I don't think it's like basketball. I think because one guy. They, I think what ends up happening, though, is... Um, you you end up equating a cup with a better player, right? And that's not the case. Like, is okay. The NBA Finals just ended. Anybody not want LeBron on their team, right? Or or Dan Marino he a triple double you know, right. in in a thousand games in a row or whatever. You know, well, yeah, was there, was, he averaged a triple double in the finals. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, stop it. Right. Like, yet the people saying, well, they didn't win, you know, that it tarnishes his legacy. It does, really? No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's a damn arena. So I feel argument the same too. thing happens right. to, in these debates about the greatest or the best, that a championship is almost, it becomes window dressing unless mm-hmm. it's a golfer. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. The only thing that counts. True. But for a player, I mean, you might, you can be the greatest player around, and if you're, surrounded by guys that can't help you win, then you don't win. It doesn't mean you're worse. Um, it's a Dan Marino argument, too. Marino was phenomenal. Amazing. And, oh, he didn't right. win a title. What's, so what? He didn't have a great group of guys around him or whatever, you know? Just, just give me a break. Everyone would take Dan Marino on their football team. Um, hey, so, <laughs> look, you, you played in the NHL for forever, and you accomplished quite a bit in your career. Never won a cup. Um now, the broadcasting game is old for you, too, now at this point. Like, we just talked about, you know, looking at flights and getting home and everything else. But you're on the ice with the Cup and these guys. And what do you, does anything – do you have any emotion? Do you do you think about, ah, shit, that would have been cool? Do you – does it even oh, – all ma- the time. All the time? I'm okay. always yeah, yeah. All I'm right. always, uh, you know, like, not even by a little bit. Okay. Yep. And, um, you know, for – for me, I looked at it and and I think you know like you know if you were in a little bit different spot, if you were, um, you know if you you know if you had 
been traded to a different team or, you know, like whatever it is, just, I look at the cup and it's, you know, I, I'm so envious of the guys that get to lift it up over their head. You know, it's like, it's some, it's a remarkable thing. And you get there and I want to ask Matt Murray, um, (laughs) you know, I wanted to interview him and Ron Hainsey together, uh, but couldn't quite get it done, you know, because it's so busy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, Here's Ron Haynes. He's played 905 games before he finally gets in the playoffs. And Matt Murray wins a cup, and he's and he's yep. eligible for the Rookie of the Year in his second year of his second cup. Right. Like, is it that easy? Right. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I almost wanted to tackle him. And I'm like, stop <laughs> it. Quit winning. I don't even know the kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so jealous. Yeah. It was cool that Haynes got the cup first. That's always an important thing. You know, and Sydney passed. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, I'm sure there were a lot of times where the dream fades from winning a cup to man, I'd like to play in the playoffs. Right, right. And then all of a sudden, here he is in the last, you know, in the last series, he scores a goal, which was, you know, he scored in Game Five, and mm-hmm. and he's, you know, one of those six guys that helped bring the cup home on the back end. It's a pretty remarkable story. So yeah, so a little piece of you then is is like ah shit. Like look at that. That looks awesome. Even now, oh, even now. More, yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, that's cool. That's good to hear. You're not all totally jaded, Ray. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I think it's just it would be so cool to to win one time. Um, you know, that's Yeah. And that that's not going to happen. No. No. Um hey, you've told this story a couple times on uh, on some different shows, but uh so Phil Phil's down there. He skates by you. He skates by Bob McKenzie and uh, and I, and uh, we're like, "Hey, out of boy Phil," and uh-huh. and he turns. He's like, "Hey, two for two, hey eh, boys," <laughs> <laughs> and we just laughed. Like it, it was like he almost like he couldn't believe it either. Like, right. Holy smokes, we won again. Yeah, Phil, just classic Phil, right? <laughs> um, yeah, just. Just really good stuff. Hey, did you hear? And I haven't heard. The general managers haven't done their press conference. Was he playing with an injury? Do you think? Was there anything word of that about that? Did he? Who Phil? Phil, yeah. No, I don't. Oh, never heard that. I don't know. Just, just just because he didn't have a great playoff. No, he was brutal. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, really. Well, I didn't want to say it. I mean, but, say, yeah. Here's the thing: in the playoffs, if somebody's playing poorly, right away people go to. You know, they run to the point of, you know, maybe he's hiding an injury. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's just not playing very well. Yeah. yeah Nobody he, ever says that about a player in the regular season. Right. Yeah, he was good last year, you know, and it was great to see he him. Was and, outstanding. Uh, yep. And, outstanding last year. <laughs> and, um, I mean, he just, it just didn't happen for him. Two for two, boys. <laughs> For two, eh, boys? <laughs> and he knows, like, you guys are around the Maple Leafs all the time and all that, right? So all that kind oh, yeah, of stuff. He's, right? uh, he's, he's a character, man. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to uh, to see what happens. Uh, something I want to touch on, like, we've talked about P.K. Subban over and over on this show, and, you you know, you've said the analytic guys and versus the real world guys and all this stuff. But I will say, like, and I didn't really realize this was going on. I guess I don't follow PK on social media or whatever. So we had the Listerine comment, and we just know that Sydney was telling him to, you know, go F himself and, and whatever, and Subban made up a joke, and mm-hmm. okay, ha, ha, ha. But then I guess I read that he was uh, he was had Listerine bottles to the rink, and he was taking photos with Listerine bo- bottles. Oh, yeah. yep. That's a little much. I heard that someone said, hey, I don't know if it sat well with his teammates. Did you hear much about that? And I kind of agree like I'm okay with the original comment because ah, because what are you going to really say that Sydney was telling you know you're making a joke about how a guy was you know mouthing off on you on the ice which happens 200 times a game, but then to keep it going that's a little much. Well, I I mean I I don't mind that I don't mind for a second that PK likes the media that he likes to talk. I mean I did. Um, mm-hmm. didn't, I mean that was easy for me to do, like to talk to the media to yeah. sit there longer than other players might, it was easier for me than it is for some guys. And some guys hate it, and other guys don't mind it, and guys like PK or me liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just just part of who you are. Now, he just can't stop. Like, I don't think he can help himself. Like, there's the Listerine comment's fine, yeah. but 
bringing it into the rink and continuing the the shtick, it became. It's he. There were times where he's a really tough teammate to be around, and I and I only know that by what I hear, right? And from the guys that I hear it from, it doesn't mean they think he's a bad guy, right? It's just that's not it. It means enough. Stop it. <laughs> and you can say, oh, you know, hockey's old school, and which it is which it really is, and it bugs me that the players aren't available more, and I think the league should mandate on off days that they should be around. Like, why can't the entire team be available for 20 minutes mm-hmm. on an off day? Right. Like, seriously, is it that hard? Get everybody not in the dressing room, have a conference room at the rink, because there's all these extra rooms downstairs, and say yep. the uh, the players, the Predators will be available from – Two to two twenty. The Penguins will be available at two thirty to to two fifty, and put the put a timer up there. And when the timer goes off, that's it. Everybody will get their stories. You'll get more. Um, you'll get more varied coverage, mm-hmm. which I think is you know right now. If you look at the stories around the finals, they're all the same because the media has access to four or five guys. Yeah. So you can't write a different story because nope. you don't have access to the guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the NBA, you talk to players on game days. Well, man, that never happens. I mean, Nashville didn't make Subban or let Subban be available for the last three days of the series. To me, that's dumb. It's dumb for the game. And so there's a side of me that says, okay, PK, just rein it yeah. back a bit. But the only part that I would say to rein back is where you put your team behind you and you become somewhat of a distraction because the Listerine stuff and bringing the bottles in and all that stuff, it really shouldn't mean much, but it does in a team sport. The rest of it, talk and be yeah. witty and yeah, have yeah, quotes for and sure. say funny things and goofy things, I, don't, I could care less about that. That's part of PK. Yep. And it's okay to stand out. It's okay to be to have the media like you and the fans like you because of your goofiness or your, mm-hmm. um, your openness. Like, it's okay to be goofy. It's okay to be open. But it's like you just can't grab a handle on it. And so there's always a little, I don't want to use the word tension, but uneasiness yeah. that doesn't need to be there. Well, and by the way, after the Listerine stuff, Crosby blew the doors off game five. Yeah, he did. <laughs> like, leave him alone. Right. There's no... The, the other thing, too, is he probably got burned by having the mics there. Like, who knew that the mm. guys are all mic'd up, right? Right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, after he said, oh, yeah, that's what he told me, and then it comes out, he Oops. tells him to go F himself. Right. Like, there's no Listerine mention there. I, You know, I heard it. But nobody... Th- thought that was really the comment, did they? We talked about this last week on our show, and you were like, give me a break, media. I mean, I didn't think for one second. Right. And the the best response was Crosby's to it. You know, like he could have gotten into something else, and Crosby said, no, I didn't say that. He lied. Like the way he said it Mm -hmm. made you go, okay, I got two guys' side of the story here. (laughs) I'm going to take this side. Yeah. But you've been in – I want to say, too, one other thing about Crosby. Um, I told I put this out on Twitter because I was told this, and I just thought it was oh, you, you kind of remarkable that the day after Game Five, uh, Mike Sullivan goes into the coach's office. Uh, the coaches had to go do some video or stuff, and um, nobody's in the building. And he hears this noise out of the weight room, and he pokes his head around the corner, and Crosby's in there by himself. That's a day after playing 20 minutes in Game Five. And it's you know he's played a hundred games plus the year before he's played the World Cup he's gone through the playoffs he's had a concussion and missed time in the playoffs and you know his engine says I got to be in there working out the you know the day after Game Five it's I don't know it's to me it's pretty remarkable yeah no I agree uh, but I'm not surprised that that's what guys like that do you know um, but I'm surprised by how many people when I you know yeah. they're, they're like. They they try like one guy goes what a kiss ass I know it's, whose ass is he kissing There's nobody in the rink and and he didn't There's run and search there. he didn't run to search you out to tell you he didn't say hey, Ray no, I heard it Ray. from somebody right. else exactly like that's I heard, the, I heard it from I was told by somebody else that knows um, and and I'm like man that's just 
Mm-hmm. I'm blown away by that. Yeah. But that's of the things that make him one of the greatest of all time, that is one of them. I might have been blown away if it was Phil. Phil was in the weight room. After Phil was Phil gets to the weight room, cutting through to where <laughs> the food room is. Right. Um, Did you see the picture of him carrying the cup up the stairs? No, no, I didn't. Uh, check it out. He's carrying the cup up the stairs of the plane, and he's he's not in the weight room. That's sure. <laughs> I, I retweeted something this morning because on the parade there was a huge Phil Kessel uh, head, cardboard head, eating a catfish on a hot dog bun. It was great. Yes, that was pretty good. Yeah, um, and and I think he gets a big. I think he gets a kick out of it. He yeah. really does. But um, I often wonder, you know, if Phil had ten percent more of the give a damn muscle. Yeah. Like man, he's one of the he's one of the rare players in the league. Are you saying Peter Horacek was right? <laughs> Better be careful because it's going to be like a brick wall. He's going to run into one of these Septembers. Yeah. Yep, yep. He, the the wheels are what make him, right? And um, oh, yeah, and it's just it's not going to be there if he doesn't look after it. No. Um, well, interesting Cup final for sure, and uh, and Pittsburgh wins, and uh, we'll move on to, to the off season. So, the expansion draft is coming up for the Vegas Golden Knights, my hometown team. By the way, a funny story: uh, a buddy of mine here in town knows nothing about hockey, but you know knows me, knows I do these do these shows. He gets an estimate to go out to clean this guy's uh, tile floor. Guys wearing Canada team, Hockey Canada uh, sweatshirt and this and that, and he's got a laptop open with uh, a hockey game on it. And the, my buddy said the TV was tuned to a hockey game. And my buddy's like, "Oh, so you like hockey?" And then he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I love hockey." And you know, I'm into it. And they start talking about this new team in town. And all of a sudden, the guy says, "We." And uh, my buddy's like, "Huh?" It turns out it's George McPhee. <laughs> <laughs> with a hockey game on TV and a hockey game on the laptop. Yeah, um, doing, his, doing his work and watching right. and catching up. I, I would love to be in George's office. Right? I really do. Oh, can you oh, imagine the, so power, the power he's got right now, too? Like, you know? Like, like he's got the, – the crazy part is he's got um, – he's got all of the, uh, all of the cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, like, teams are stuck. Teams are stuck in trying to – keep as many players as they can or keep the ones that they really want. And all of a sudden they realize I got to make a deal with Vegas and George is sitting there going, Nope, not that guy, but this guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, since 1967, the first expansion when the league doubled, these are the best rules that have ever been given to an expansion team. I was looking through some lists of a projected players that are protected and guys that'll be open and you know there's different formats teams can pick they can pick uh, 3D or 4D and, and this and that and the guys that are left to be picked are really good now there'll be a lot of side deals so those guys probably don't get picked though Ray do you think they think they'll be like just oh, I, I think one of the most futile exercises right now is teams try, or reporters doing their mock expansion draft mm-hmm. yeah because a lot of the guys that are going to end up in Vegas um, are not are not necessarily the ones you think. Yeah. So, like, let's let's look at a scenario where Vegas selects a player, and he becomes just a, or Vegas becomes a stopping point for the player. Mm-hmm. So they trade for player X. The next day, they trade player X to a different team, and get a younger prospect, and a draft pick. Yep. And so I heard this great line. Somebody said, George McPhee's going to end up with every pick in the second round. (laughs) You know, he's going to stand up there for a half an hour and make 31 straight picks. And, I mean, Vegas doesn't want a whole bunch of older players. They have one chance to start, you know, start new. And so what they would think they would want to do is to build as many prospects into the players they're selecting as possible. So that might mean taking an older player, but flipping him for a younger player and a mm-hmm. draft pick. It, and I, I would be shocked if if that's not the road that they go on. It's almost like, like their, their oh. roster, they shouldn't have many 28, 29, 30-year-old right. players. They shouldn't. They'll have a few, right. but they shouldn't have many. It's almost like a Bill Belichick strategy. He is just going to be trading down, trading down, accumulating picks. And if you have 10 picks, 
you know, chances are you hit on three of them as opposed to if you have three, you hit on one or whatever. You know, that strategy. Right, but he doesn't have to trade down, Steve, because no, no. he's got the, you know, he's got his, his picks. He, you know, where I think they draft sixth. The fourth, maybe? Sixth. No, sixth. Sixth. So they draft sixth and then they draft 37 and, mm-hmm. you know, go on through the, you know, they haven't accumulated anything else yet, but they're just going to end up trading a selected player for a pick. And so you end up with 6, 37, 43, 58. Yeah. You know, like you just, yeah, sure. you know, you're just th- yeah. throwing it at the wall. Right. And your scouts are out there putting together their, their draft list, and they're looking at the draft far differently. You know, Detroit's got 11 picks this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be surprised if they get into the draft with all 11, but I would be shocked if Vegas doesn't pick over 10 players in a seven-round draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, I, that's, that's what they want to accumulate, in, in my opinion. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Like, all these, like, I'm the guy reading these lists, Ray, and then looking at these guys that are available and thinking of, like, there's going to be some serious shit going on here in the next couple oh, of weeks. Oh, I'm, I'm with you, Steve. Like, remember <laughs> when the league said they didn't want to release the protected list? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, well, how dumb is that? Like, this is the stuff fans love. They yes. love to play. We all love to play amateur GM. Mm-hmm. We all like to look at the cap and go, ooh, that's a problem here. And, oh, what about this trade for that trade? And, like, is there a reason fantasy sports are fun? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it's because you get to be in charge. And so that's what everybody's doing right now. And George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon are sitting there in their office I can't even imagine that they have a whiteboard big enough <laughs> to write all the crap right, that they right. have on there. Yeah. And how do you keep track of it all? Because I don't know. At the end of the yeah. day, you still got to put a team on the ice. I, I you think not pretend hockey cards. You still need humans. I think personal so relationships. Yeah. Go ahead. They're going to draft, and they're going to end up. I think they're going to end up with at least four, maybe five goalies. Oh yeah, you think? And oh, then, yeah. and then and, what? And distribute and, them from from there. And distribute them yeah. for picks. Right. Well, here's here's my son's dog again. I'll tell you one of these times. <laughs> I'm telling you. No, Steve, no, I'm a I dog lover. A dog guy. I, I'm a dog lover. Stop it. Stop it, Ray. You, be, you better get over here and be a wide receiver <laughs> one of these times. Um, Buster's gonna go. Uh, anyways, I Buster. Just, I close the door. I'm sure that'll keep the sound out. Right. But I I do think like what happens if so let's let's assume. They take Flurry and Grubauer to start. Yep. yep. Like you're like, oh, that's yep. pretty good. That's good. And now they take three other guys, and Calgary comes and looks at Grubauer mm-hmm. and says, "We'll give you a second rounder for him." Like this is just a yeah. totally hypothetical. Yeah, 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 Nobody, yeah. it's not serious. It's got no base in fact. I'm just using it as an example. And then, and so now. George is like, well, okay, I've got Flurry and three other goalies. Well, now I've got a second-round pick. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, the the players that are of, you know, greatest importance would be if you can get your hands on a couple of good defensemen and a boatload of goalies, and then you sit there and you're the dealer of the cards. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Uh, side note to that story, my buddy who's who's doing George's floor said, my friend here in town does a hockey podcast with a guy named Ray. I don't remember his last name. And George just said, oh, yeah, cool. So a guy named Ray. <laughs> so he couldn't remember your last name to try to give himself okay, some st- street I, cred. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, hoping George, I'm hoping George knows that it's me, but if, it, if it's not, I'm sure he'll get on with it. <laughs> right, right. I'm sure George is like, yeah, cool. Your guy and a guy named Ray. Right on. Awesome. Uh, right. <laughs> hey, uh. This this is coming out recently about like Dion Phaneuf uh, m- waving his no no movement clause, which he did not do, and uh, Mark Andre Fleury did it, I guess, only for Vegas. Um, and I like it. Some reporters are saying like, "Hey, this team is not commenting one way or another," and I one hundred percent agree with that. I cannot believe like a contract's a contract. Like you can't you gave him a new no movement clause. Now, you can ask him to move it. I'm down, like, privately, pull him aside, the agent, say, hey, what do you think? Like, we want to keep this team together, and you're probably not going to get selected because you make too much money and blah, blah, blah. But don't let it get out. I think that's really shitty. 
however it's getting out, that these guys are refusing to waive something that they bargained for. I'm not happy, right? I, I don't I don't know why or how it gets out. Right. You know, like I, I really don't. Um but there is absolutely no there should be no negative view of the player that says, No, I like it where I am and I'm gonna stay. But there will be, right? Well that's why I make it the people can go ahead but they don't get it. Yeah. Like that's a collectively bargained right mm-hmm. to have a no move clause. And then the team can go to you all they want and say, hey, would you mind moving it? And the player can say, nope. Right. And then the team's got to do something else. Now, Fanoff, not willing to waive it, he has a list of 10, I believe, or maybe 12 teams that are on his no-move list. So they can, move, or they can move him to one of 12 teams. They might have to do that now. But that's a way that he's able to control the process a bit. Maybe he's looked around at expansion teams and says, you know what, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, right? I just, and if they can't make a deal with one of those teams, then they've got a problem. I don't like it getting out. I don't like teams asking well, I, don't, I don't think there's any reason for it to right. get out. I don't know. I, I don't know why it needs to, but I don't know who leaked it. Yeah. Like, well, you know, maybe... I can't imagine the you know, player, would the player, and his agent do it. Why, why would, would why the would they do it? Yeah, why would the player agent do it? Because they just invite scorn on them. By by by, well, because uh, you get out in front of it and you say, like, you know, eventually you you make the point. Look, I I said no because I like it here. I want to stay here. I think we've got a good team. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't like it. I just think if you bargain well, for it, and that's don't worry it. about yeah. it. We're not going to have to worry about it past this week. Right. Right. Um, because it's all done. Like you know, like once once that draft goes and right. and then you get through free agency, then mm-hmm. all this craziness and madness is going to return to normal. Yep. But like once you, I, I shouldn't say that. Once you get to the draft and we go through those, that draft weekend, yep. then everything's back to normal. Then Vegas is just a team in the league. Yeah. But right now it's a curiosity because you know they're going to hold their development camp, and right now I think they got three guys. Yeah, but you know... Yeah, we're going to be a little shy on the uh, 2-on-2 game. Kevin Bieska is apparently, he did not waive his no-movement clause. Anaheim's up against it with their D. Uh, Sammy Vatnin may be traded here because of that to somebody. And let's face it, Bieska's on the back nine. He's not the player he used to be. So fans are going to be like, screw you, Kevin Bieska, we lost Vatnin. And I just don't, I don't like that. So it all should be Yeah, but that, again, you know, I mean, it's not... It's not BX's job to fix the team's problem. No, not at all. Yeah. And so if BX wants to not waive, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I don't think, you know, had he been available in the expansion draft, I don't necessarily know that, that Vegas would take him. But, you know, what you end up having is you, you have a discussion that, you know, Bob Murray, Anaheim's GM, would call George McPhee and say, okay, if we leave Bieksa unclaimed, would you take him? And maybe George can't commit to that mm-hmm. or can't not commit to that. Yeah. And so they say, okay, we got a problem. And so now McPhee is, you know, George is a really good guy, but he's not helping anybody out here. No. He's turning the screws up on the teams that, yep. you know, he's tightening them down on the teams that got problems. Um, and, and so that doesn't, that doesn't become a very easy deal to make. The Rangers buying out Dan Girardi, which you told me before we hit record. I did not know that. Uh, that must have just happened. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? That's a big buyout, huh? Yeah, they, I think they've got six um, six years Ouch. Uh, that they'll have to pay um, Girardi's buyout over. Mm-hmm. He had three years left. Yeah, they spread it out. Um, they, they, they have cap issues. They wanted to get younger. Uh, not a surprise at all, but then, you know, Girardi will find someone, mm-hmm. I'm sure, and he'll be a third-pair guy because he'll be at a, low, he'll be at a lower minutes mm-hmm. um, than, uh, than he played with the Rangers. He'll be at a lower salary than he played with the Rangers, so that'll fit. But this is a guy that was never drafted. Um, has cobbled together a really, really good NHL career. Absolutely. Like I, I, have a, I have a lot of admiration for the way he's had to play. It's so hard to 
to be the, you know, he's not a gigantic guy, but he's played really physically, he blocks shots like crazy. He's got a lot of miles on him. And again, a guy that wasn't drafted. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of respect for him, but this is, to me, this is not a surprise. Uh, Elliot Friedman reported that the Golden Knights uh, will be taking David Clarkson as well. So should we look for David Clarkson, Mark Savard? If he's, I don't think, I think Savard's still on the books. Somebody Pronger's. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not real sure where Savard's thing is, but yeah, Clarkson, yeah. sure. Yeah, why Clarkson not? Right? The first round pick. Thanks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Uh, do it all day long. Maybe um, because they don't they don't have to pay him because the insurance will pay. Mm-hmm. You know because he can't clear the physical. Yeah. So it's it's a I don't know. It's almost like a monopoly. <laughs> You're moving around a contract that's not yeah. real, in a sense. Joffrey Lupul. Joffrey Lupul appear? <laughs> is he okay? Right. Is he alive? It's possible, right? Is he alive? Is he? Do we know? <laughs> oh yeah, he's probably just hanging out. I will never understand that to this day. I mean, the guy is thirty-one. He he's not that old. When healthy, he's a productive NHLer. He wasn't amazing, but he was a good player. Apparently, he doesn't have any desire to restart a career, though. So that's his choice. But I'll never understand that. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh... <laughs> it looks like the final chapter here has been has been really odd, hasn't it? Right. I just I don't know how the PA doesn't speak up or he speaks up or the Leafs. I don't understand. And maybe Lupul gets picked up and his knee is still bothering him by the Golden Knights. I don't know. Um, yeah. No. No. But they're not picking him up to play. No. 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 For sure. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's get into a little bit more hockey news before we end this. We'll take a few questions from you people on uh, on Paul Pocky as well. Um, all right, so Bob Boodner hired in Florida. Uh, Dale Talon's back in charge over there. Uh, thoughts on that? Well, Bob Boodner reminds me a lot of a coach uh, of Gerard Gallant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who was the coach when Dale Talon was in charge, but mm-hmm. then when Dale Talon wasn't in charge, he got fired, and now Dale Talon's in charge. And so he hired somebody very similar, I, I think. Yep. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised uh, that it's this you know, that it's a coach like Bugner, uh, who's got a good reputation, um, who is, I would say, a, a touch of an older school rather than a newer school guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, everybody speaks very highly of him. Uh, Pete DeVore and Steve Spott in San, San Jose really liked him. Mm-hmm. He ran their defense there. Um, you know, he's, he's, it's his first time head coach in the league. And, um, you know, and, I, and I'm not surprised, as I said, that, the Dale has gone to, uh, you know, to this style again. I wonder if he tried to get Gerard back. <laughs> hey, Gerard, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, Gerard's, Gerard's busy. Yeah, clearly. Um, all right, so the word is, and I don't know what you know, Ray, but uh, Phil Housley or Rick Tockett, Jason Botterill, uh, former Penguin management guy, is now running the Sabres. And Phil Housley or Rick Tockett are supposed to get interviews. They were waiting after the cup final. I don't know how they are as coaches, Ray, but I don't think as players you could get two different people than Phil Housley and Rick Tockett, by the way. but uh, As people, too. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you know, Phil is much uh, uh, much quieter, much uh, more understated. Talks, Rick is like a bull. <laughs> you know, like he's, he's a really intense and really open, and, um, of course, he played like a runaway train. Yep. And um, Housley better hope this doesn't go down to an arm wrestling contest. Because <laughs> if it is, I think Cox well, the winner hands Ray, down. Ray, the story in floats around, floating around Winnipeg back in the day was uh, Phil. Phil took a round out of Mike Smith, the GM. Apparently, so that was oh, the word. Fine, <laughs> he he wouldn't he wouldn't be taking anybody. He wouldn't be taking Rick Tockett anywhere. No, no, no. That's just this. I was uh, the other day. I was in the gym, um, which is a place you should get to. And um, thank you. Um, in that, just trying to help out in Nashville, mm-hmm. and uh, talk was in there working out. Yep, it was like at the left side of the gym he was lifting. <laughs> I'm like, man, the guy's like, he's wide as a he's wide as a building. Like it's crazy. Still one of the best fights, talk at Wendell. Uh, I think is eighty, eighty eight or eighty nine. Phenomenal bout. He was so tough. He he was one of those guys you always had to be just a little bit. Um, aware of in case he was in a bad mood, <laughs> exactly. and you happen to be like a guy like me. I, you know, I wasn't going to fight him. Yeah, you're like, never, not in a I'm billion years. 
But in case I happen to be in the neighborhood, if he got mad, you know, he decided to clean up the ice with somebody. That that would have been me. Um, do you think maybe talk it as the edge because of Botterill knowing him? I don't know. If, what, yeah, Botterill uh, would have had a hand in, in him getting Yeah, you, you know, know, oh, he would know him for yeah, sure. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard for me to handicap that stuff. Yeah. Because I, I think, you know, okay, so say he does, let's assume he knows Tockett, which he does, mm-hmm. more than he knows Housley. And if he interviews them both, and Housley's interviews way better, now how do you balance that out? Like, yeah. it's a really interesting dynamic. And I, I would say you can't, or I wouldn't anyway, go into those meetings if indeed those are the last two characters yeah. he's going to interview. which we don't even know for I, sure, but yeah, we think. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have any preconceived thought. You know, once yeah. they interview, then maybe I might think, okay, but I know talking a little better, but I'd want to see what they can mm-hmm. and can't uh, bring. Like, what do they each view my team as? How would they coach a, a team that's developing? And, I, and I'd be interested in what the differences would be. Would you have Jack Eichel sitting in the interview to make sure that, that he approves? No, I, I think one of my first <laughs> thoughts would be um, I would have a a meeting with Jack and say, I don't know what went on before I got here, Yeah, but let's, let's clear the air a little bit and let's realize you're a player and that's where it has to stay. Um, all right. Let's, uh, well, Hey, let's talk about Chris Tan of, of your hometown Vancouver Canucks, uh, mutual uh, friend of mine. I should say not a mutual, uh, a friend of mine was texting me and is very upset because apparently the Canucks are going to trade Tanev and he doesn't understand why. And then he said, ask Ray. And I'm like, okay, I will, but because uh, um, you know they lost a couple D this off season, they're rebuilding. Tanev's pretty good. Um, what's the, what do you hear? Well, I, I think Tanev's in play for sure um, because he would have uh, a good team would be would be really interested in Tanev. He he doesn't he doesn't create much offensively. He's um, he's a really good defender, uh, really good penalty killer. Um, I think he's. I would say he's one of those players that what you see is what you get. There's no, you're not all of a sudden getting a 40-point year mm-hmm. from Chris Tanev. Like, that's not just the way he plays. But if the Canucks are transitioning, as they should be, into younger people, then um, I think that Tanev would be a guy I would be interested in moving, and maybe I can collect a... Um, you know, a, mm-hmm. a first-round pick and a prospect. Like, that's what I would sure. be looking for, for Tanev. So I I'd, I, wouldn't be surprised at all if he's, you, that if, seems, he, if he's on the block. That seems like a good haul for him. You know better. But that seems – I would do that, yeah. Well, first, I mean, Adam Larson last year, you know, brought Taylor Hall. That's a – you know, that's, that's a really good player, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I um, I would think it's a – it's not a cheap. It's not a cheap uh, acquisition for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to some questions. Uh, at Paul Pocky, this is from PVIS Racing. Uh, this guy, he's planning a trip to Canada from SoCal every year to watch an LA Kings game. I've been to Vancouver already. Which arena should I check out next in Canada? Oh well, if he's is he staying on the West Coast? I I would say the new arena in Edmonton. But if he's heading if he's east, going anywhere, I would say the Bell Center in Montreal. Yeah, which you've always said is pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I, those would be. But I mean, if you're in the West, I mean, I'd, I'd yeah. go to the newest, best arena, right? Which is which is um, the arena in Edmonton, the brand new one there. It's one year old. Uh, question from Josh: Which NHL star are the most talkative on the bench, based on Ray's work between the benches? Is there a high profile um, guy talkative? Like, well. Hmm. It's hard to say. I I wish I would have had a little heads up here. Oh, sorry, because then I could have. Um, right. Well, you are attached hard, on it, this. You know, it's hard to to think of. You know, okay, so I I'm I'm trying to go in my head right now. I'm going team to team. Right. And um, so Crosby seems like he me. would he would he would chirp a What's lot. That? Crosby seems like a chirper. No, not really. I mean, he'll... He throws water bottles. No, he doesn't. What do you mean? He threw threw a water bottle. He did not. Steve, seriously. You think he threw it and it went three feet? How else does a water bottle get under the ice, Ray? Oh, God, I can't... Are you serious? I really do think he threw it, yeah. I didn't... I, I... Have you ever thrown a water bottle? 
Yes. Has the top ever stayed on it? Yes, top stays on. When, when on a Gatorade water bottle? Oh, oh. The ones on the bench? Oh. You've never thrown one of those? Okay, probably not. If you throw a Gatorade water bottle, uh-huh. when it hits the boards at the far side, the top will pop off. I know I've thrown them <laughs> in much anger. Okay. He's pissed at whatever the call was going on. He's okay. got it in his left hand. Yep. He breathes his arm up, and the thing pops straight up in the air, lands on the ice, and rolls across the ice. If he threw it, it would have hit the boards with enough force to break the to-, to snap the top off it. So you like, think I it, can, he was throwing? He was trying to throw it on the ground, and it slipped off. No, I think he was like, like just picture you got something in your hand. Yep. Right. With a and you're like, hand. what the. F- Right? And right. you lift your hand over your head? Yep. The bottle's wet. I mean, I, I feel like an apologist here. But I, I really honestly, don't care if he threw it or not. It should yeah. have been a penalty anyway, yeah. but it wasn't called. The bottle comes out of his hand. If uh-huh. he threw it, he would have thrown it right-handed to start with. Secondly, it would have, it would have, the top would have exploded. This is all news to off, me. I saw. Uh, yeah. I didn't know. Right. What's that? I just this is news to me. I saw a, a camera from up top, a high angle shot of it uh, on the NBC. Yeah, and I saw it, it too. Yeah, and it looked like he threw it to me. I guess I'm not paying attention. I don't know. Are you? Are you? Do you play slow pitch? Because that's how you pitch in slow pitch. <laughs> I don't know. I was very bizarre. Also, I was like, "Why did he do that for? What happened? Why did he do that? I didn't understand throwing it." So, all right. Be- I, I would like to. I would like to put him on the lie detector stand. Uh huh. Ask him if he told Subban he had bad breath. We know the answer right. to that. We know that one. And ask him if he threw the uh, the water bottle. And I think he would get a straight line right across. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nothing. Now that now that I asked that now that I asked that question, I really regret going down this road. Be seeing as you're very adamant that it was a dumb question that he did not throw that water bottle. There's I, not a chance. Okay. Well, I guess there was always a chance. Yeah. But no, there's right. not a chance. Um, all right. So, any anybody and else? I have been pissed and thrown a water bottle. Yeah, before, so. I, be- I believe it. Um, so I'm still looking at the teams here, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I can't really. Right. Um, I I can't really come up with one that's uh, Corey Perry, for sure. No, he counts. He's a star. Yeah, that's a question. Yeah, a no, star. I'm just yeah. kind of going through the. Um, you know, through the teams, and yeah. he he, he kind of jumps out at at me a little bit. Like of the, you know, Washington. No, nope. I mean Nick Backstrom doesn't say anything. No. He doesn't say no. anything. You know, Montreal. Shea Weber doesn't say anything. Yarmir. Ottawa. Yeah, not really. Boston. Yeah. Bergeron. Well, Brad Marchand. Yeah, he would count, and he's a star. He's scored. Yeah, he's, yeah. That, 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 he could give you a headache, which I like. Right? Yeah, you're a fan of that. Uh, I, I am definitely a fan. Uh, from Stewart, uh, when you do the EA Sports games, Ray, do you have to record every name and phrase, or are they pulling from the archives uh, for for some guys? I don't know. Well, the archives are me. I mean, the voices. Yeah, but it can't be somebody else's voice. No, but I mean, like every year, you got to say Sidney Crosby over again, or no? No, no, I don't okay. do that. Right. What I do is we do this thing called a phone book, um, and so I'll, I'll get a list of names, and it might be a hundred that I'll do at a time, and then I have to say after it, uh, after the name, a phrase, just so they can do whatever they do with the mm-hmm. computer. So they can they call it stitching it. They put the name in, so however it goes into every other time you say it. It's all say Crosby has the puck, Malkin has the puck, Kessel has the puck, um, you know, Latang has the puck. And I do that for like a hundred names. You want to bang your head off the wall after a while because then you end up doing all the, the players that play in Europe because the EA game is not just the NHL. Yeah. So now all of a sudden I got a bunch of Latvian names and <laughs> Aho. It's uh <laughs> Of the parts that are really fun to do, yeah, that is not one. No, no, because you can't even say you got a couple of ahos in the corner. <laughs> no, I cannot do that. <laughs> um, all right, Paul Pocky podcast with uh, Ray Ferraro. So we're going to come back probably to the end of June, right? We got the expansion draft, got the awards, got the NHL draft. We'll do. I think what, what we're are we doing do is we're going to do one more in June and one more after free agency. Okay. 
And then I will so never we'll, like we got to do one after the expansion. Oh, Maybe for we sure. could do a quick one after the expansion draft, another mm-hmm. one after the draft, and then um, and then after July, and then good luck finding me. Are you heading to Toronto for the uh, free agency? Yeah, I'm going there that day. So I'm I'm going to get there. You get there in the morning, midnight on the thirtieth, <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to leave at eight p.m. on the first. Really, you can do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it won't let me leave during the show. So, <laughs> uh, by the way, good luck with uh, with that. The the list of UFAs is depressing. That's all right. We'll have all the expansion draft and trades yeah. to talk about. It'll, it'll, this sure. year will be fine. Yeah. Yep. The past is here. Yeah. Um, and then that's it. You're done. Then we then we'll we'll. I got some ideas for the summer once you calm down about working so much that I think will be fun to do. For these, but oh, you do, do yes, you? I do. I do. I have to sell them to you at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, so still lots to talk about. People, a couple more shows, like Ray says. I'm Ray's driving this boat, everybody. I got no no control, so nobody wants to hear well, me. I got to get on the golf course. I got right. a family. I get you know, it's, it's holiday time, my man. Oh, I hear you. Oh, I know. Um, all right, everybody, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Stitcher, iTunes, any kind of uh, podcatcher out there. And uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have expansion draft news. And, and uh, are you, you know, so you're not coming to Vegas for the awards? I thought we were hanging out like buddies. No, I'm not coming there for the awards. I wasn't invited. It'd be cool to hang out. You could introduce me to everybody. Be like, hey, this is my, oh, gee, that'd be great. It's my partner, Steve, Paul Pocky. Do you listen and everything? That'd be great. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Fantastic. <laughs> Sounds like it. Awesome. All right, Ray. uh, Welcome back home to Canada. Introduce yourself to your family. I'm glad that went well. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad they're still here. Right. And uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks. You betcha. Thanks.